to understand your word. Thank you, Lord, for a prayer that we have entered into today. And we are expecting great things, great things in our personal lives, great things in the city, just great things at all times. So we honor you and we love you today. And we lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So we're going to talk about uh, what happens when God is exalted. When God is exalted. Amen. When God is exalted. And uh, it just happens our, our um, scripture is what we just sang in that song is Psalm 47. Amen. So I like it when God confirms things. You know, he just makes everything flow together. And it's all good. So he he has one mind and he wants to give us understanding of, of what it is to have victory in the Lord. And uh, this is something victory is granted to us. Uh, it is another gift of God. It's not something we're trying to get. It's all it's something that's already given to us because Jesus has defeated uh, principalities and powers. The Bible says he made an open show of them. Now, in, in back in the day when a, a foe was defeated at the end of a war, the victor would always take the whoever was the leader of the uh, opposing force. Uh, uh, they would hand over the symbol of their authority to them. Now, he's at the end of the Civil War. We know that uh, General Robert E. Lee, who was a general of the Confederate forces, handed over his sword, which is a symbol of his authority, at Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia, gave it over to uh, uh, President Lincoln in, in symbolically releasing uh, the South from contention with the North so that peace was attained. Uh, back in the day, you didn't allow your enemy really to live. And so what happened was uh, people would, if there was an enemy that was defeated, they would give them uh, symbolically their surrender, but also they surrendered themselves physically to them. And that defeated enemy would be paraded through the streets. And everybody would applaud their defeat. And that's what Jesus did to Satan. He made an open show of him. Amen. Amen. And dragged him through the streets of hell, and he expects us to drag him through our streets, too. Got me? When Joshua defeated, uh, the, they had, it was so long that they had had a battle. I mean, it was like 40 years, I believe, between the time that uh, um, uh, the children of Israel uh, had fought a battle, really decided that they were going to try to win uh, some battles. I think there were a couple of tribes that, that felt they wanted to settle on the uh, other side of the Jordan River, but most of their property was crossing over. Well, they barely got any property on this side of the Jordan. They just were too afraid to fight. They liked murmuring and complaining. They want God to do everything for them. When God did everything, they still weren't satisfied. And so they died in the wilderness. And so there was a generation, that generation died, and their children, sons and daughters, were the ones that Joshua took over into the promised land. 
And so these young boys didn't know anything about war. They had never seen any war. And so what Joshua did was the ones that were just, just little ones growing up, when they would have a, an enemy and everybody said, oh, have you heard about so-and-so? Oh, he's that big and that high and all that stuff. Well, when they were defeated, Joshua would have the little boys come and put their foot on their necks. And he would show them there was nothing to fear in them. Amen. And so that's what God does with us. He puts his foot on the enemy's neck and lets us see that there's no power in him. Really, the only power he has is that of fear. And if we abide in fear, then then God has no delight in us, the Bible says. He wants us to be people who are fearless, unafraid. Uh, victorious because in fact when they would have war uh, one of the instruction was if you're scared stand up go home we don't need you okay go home so they would always separate it that's how you separated out warriors you had the the fearless and the fearful and the bible says if you let them stay with you they'll cause you that fear is contagious he said the your brother's hearts will faint also so let them fearful folks stay at home. Amen. We had a, a, a guy that um, <laughs> in Cleveland. Who was that guy? A crowd pleaser. Remember? He, was, he had a business that he ran, and he only wanted people to come in there and spend money. And he would broadcast live from his place. I think he sold records or something like that. The crowd pleaser. And he said, look as a way to stay at home. Get out of here. He said, if you ain't spending no money, go home. And I believe that's what God says about the fearful. If you ain't engaged in this, go home. We don't need you in here. You know, people get on me all the time. Well, so-and-so invited us to pray with them. I ain't going. (laughs) I'm not going. I don't care who going to be there. You can have Ling Ting Tong from China. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong meeting. This is an AA? No? I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. But, you know, I don't care who's coming. I ain't going. You understand what I'm saying? I prayed about that a long time ago. I prayed about all the meetings everybody invites you to. God says, you know, he says, they're looking for people who are really anointed to pray, to show up. He said, and you're the main target, the devil. He said, somebody started to throw a pop bottle. Guess who's going to get popped in the head if you don't go there with, you understand what I'm saying? Don't go nowhere I don't tell you to go. Huh? Seriously. I remember, uh, you know, my, my late husband, he was... He wasn't saved for about 10 years of our marriage, and he liked, you know, jazz music, and he liked concerts and stuff. And so I wouldn't just flat out tell him no. I would tell the Lord. I said, well, Lord, you decide, you know, if you want me to go. So we wound up going to to a uh, jazz concert, and sure enough, about 10 rows in front of us, there was a man, and he and his wife were drunk, and they started talking arguing with each other and i watched and they kept going back a row every time i looked up they'd come back another row and back another row and back another row and god said it's time for you to go home and i had already arranged with my husband i said well we'll stay i said but when it's time to go home it's time to go home you understand what i'm saying 
And so that was my cue to get up and leave. And, and this is true, folks. I'm nobody special. Don't get, get it twisted. But I know what God has called me to do and what he's entrusted to me. And it's a value. I don't know what you think about the anointing for you, but it's valuable to me. And I'm not going to sit up and try to be friends with scared people. Some people you go to pray with them, all they want to tell you about, well, this is, this is a curse of somebody and a curse of somebody. I said, hello. This is the New Testament. You either live in the old or the new. Now you make up your mind where you live in. Good gravy. You know, your faith, if you follow the faith that God gave you, you will have more faith for being blessed than you do for. You got to really work up some courage to believe you curse still. I mean, you got to work at that. Is it true anyway? It's easier to believe you're blessed. It's sinners out there that they say God blesses them. Huh? Beyonce say she blessed and everybody blessed. I ain't going there today. I'm going to be good today. Little Howard has a day off. <laughs> everybody in the house get blessed now. Everybody in the house get blessed now. Everybody in the house get blessed now. Okay, all right. (laughs) Y'all didn't think I'd go there twice in one day. It's okay, it's okay. All right, all right. So Psalm 47, God gives us the victory. He already has it. He already won it. He already did it. Now he's spreading it out among his children. Amen. That is our inheritance. Victory is always our inheritance. Verse, uh, Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Now, why should we do that? So that that triumph will come to us as well. Whatever you thank God for, before you get it, he'll let you get it. If you thank him consistently. You got your mind made up that it belongs to you. Continue to thank him and expect him to deliver it to you and he will deliver. For the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and nations under our feet. Now when we talk about that, we're not talking about flesh and blood. We're talking about evil princes that run nations. Evil princes that... You don't have dominion over people, but you sure have it over the devil. And that's much more important. Amen. It's our job to make known to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. In other words, when you see the devil cutting up, you tell him what thus saith the Lord. Uh, no, devil. is not your turn. Huh? Your turn will come soon. And it won't be coming in this place right here. It's going to come in a fiery little pit. Now, he shall subdue nations or principalities under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. God has gone up with a shout. Shout to the Lord. Why? To get God on the scene so he is elevated in the shout. 
the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. How many times did they tell you to do that? Huh? Just in one sentence. At least four times. Does that give you a hint? For God is king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Amen? God reigns over the heathen. He sets upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Amen. He is greatly exalted. Yes, praise God. So what does it mean to exalt someone? When we exalt the Lord, what, what is that doing? What, what, what happens when you exalt someone, you, you cause them to be set apart, raised up, and triumphant. To exalt means to uplift and extol. To be high, to rise, to be proud. To exalt God means to set him on his proper throne to set him in his proper place many times when when things are not going well it's because the enemy is exalting himself above god and so when our counter then is to exalt god in the midst of what the enemy is saying we are to exalt him on top of what the devil saying See, many times when, when the enemy is doing something, we, he likes to shock us so we can just stand back and watch him carry on and, and have his way and get more fearful and all of those things. But if you will begin to exalt God right in the midst of what the devil is doing, God will come on the scene. See, the enemy likes to uh, flaunt himself and exalt himself and, and uh, intimidate us try to get us to think things will never change and so what god says to do is right in the midst of what he is doing begin to lift me up begin to praise me begin to exalt me begin to to declare who i am begin to say who i am begin to tell the enemy uh, exactly who i am and what i will do if you will exalt me and lift me up and lift me high See, when we begin to praise God, Psalm 22 tells us that he inhabits or he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. And so God then sets up residence in our praise. He knows he's welcome when we praise him. He knows we want him involved and in charge when we praise him. He wants to be in charge, but he can't be in charge as long as we are bowing down to the enemy, as long as we shrink back in fear, as long as we're afraid to say what God says, as long as we don't believe it'll happen and we're intimidated and we won't go ahead and say what God says, then God can't do anything for us and the enemy gets an advantage. But as soon as we begin to praise him, he comes and he sits up residence. He gets enthroned. He begins to rule and to reign right in the midst of our praise. If we will continue to praise God, if we will continue to speak to him and to worship him, then he is permanently established in our presence. 
there are some times and and i know it, it happens a lot of times uh we we as a family when we sit down to eat we always pray before our food you know sometimes you're more patient than others you know uh, if i'm real hungry i'll tell rachel because we we uh, ask her to pray every night that's her job is to pray for everybody and pray over the food we have people that we pray for intercede for who are sick and she's got them all memorized so if she's ever not there we stumble around <laughs> who is that what, what, what that brother name is he well yet they uh so we tell rachel you do it because you know everybody but before she even opens her mouth the presence of god is there why because we've established a habitation for him a habit is a habitation you got me and so the spirit of god hovers over us until we invite him in and begin to pray you find this with with anything you do consistently with god when you have a a prayer we have prayer watches with prayer partners and we pray over the phone you'll notice that if you start consistently on time the way you do it doesn't you don't have to work 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 to get in the spirit or fight your way out or fight your way in you have a divine appointment with god and he's right there enthroned why because you've established a habitation through exalting him at that time you'll find too that if you continue to talk to god and worship him and exalt him there are different times during the day where uh, i'll be involved in something and i'll just get to a, a a just a dry i say oh thank you jesus exalt the lord and lift him up the atmosphere begins to change because he becomes enthroned and he never fails to respond to that he never fails to respond to it so i don't know about you but i want him enthroned on my life all the time just just to be there so to uh, enthrone means to be there to rule and to reign we are to let him rule first in our hearts and then in the affairs of our lives so he wants first habitation is in your heart he wants to be lord of your life so if if somebody here for instance isn't born again you can be if you're not spirit-filled you can be and allow the god to take full possession of your being amen and and find that that god is able then to guide you and lead you and help you in so many things but when he is exalted he is is first place in your life he's not uh, um, a passenger you know in the passenger seat of the car and you driving all the time god is driving and he is leading and he is uh, giving you wisdom and giving you understanding he's helping you he's counseling with you he's providing every single thing that you need so to exalt god means to set him on his proper throne the enemy so wants to dethrone god he's there's so many things now that are being done where you can just see the enemy trying to get people to say uh, or get you know like he's daring god to stop him see all these crazy laws that you know now you gotta got people that if you feel like a boy today you go in a boy's bathroom if you feel like a girl today you go in a girl's bathroom so the confused are trying to run everything because they're hoping they can get your kids confused just like they are Uh 
there was a I was in the the checkout line in Walmart and there was some girl trying to look like a man and I made sure I called her girl every time she oh so you ain't fooling me you know you look at them in the Holy Ghost and she had no hair she her head was shaved clean she had them little you know the little khaki pants they Walmart khaki pants they wear and had a little low slung belt and everything and kept trying to uh look mannish i said now you know that's a lot of work when you think about it every time you looked at her she's digging her hands i said men don't even act like that you look like a girl trying to be a man just what you are but that's a lot of work it's so much easier to be what god called you to be look at all the surgery they have to have and and now we got caitlin on there them high heel shoes on and all this old kind of crazy stuff and just making a mockery out of God's creation. The devil likes to do that. If he can make a mockery out of what he created, God created you to be, he'll do that. And then people want to call it normal. So we have to understand that the enemy is trying everything he can to flaunt his evil in God's face and dare the people of God to say something about it amen to give the word to share the word with people it's illegal now they can sue you now if you share tell a homosexual they don't have to be homosexual if you tell them they can be straight and try to pray for them now they want to sue you or put you in jail or something make a crime out of everything but god so god's people have to stand on what god gives you and give truth to people there are still people who want out of that life and you know we need to pray for god to bring them to our path not to somebody's path that's going to patronize them and tell them they need to stay that way and don't be fearful when god gives you words to say you just spit them words out of your mouth and let god's word settle everything amen so to exalt god we said means to set him on his proper throne through worship and then to listen for his word and then obey what he says and that's how we get our victory amen so this psalm 47 really is a psalm of victory and a psalm that will help you to understand the instructions for how to assume your victory in god first through worship you exalt god and put him first then listen for his word for his voice of instruction third obey what he says and fourth exalt him because you know for sure that your victory is there you don't wait until you get something to thank god for it amen you thank him for it when god gives you his word that's where the thanksgiving comes once that word settles in on you and you have your answer that's when you begin to thank god because his word is it's it's as good as done once he gives you his word it's done already see it's you know and you can shout and carry on and and do all of that right then and right there because god he will not uh let you down once he's promised something to you he won't do that Uh, he's not the bible says he's not a man that he should lie 
So God does not deal in deception. Why would he promise us things and then not give them to us? That would make him a liar. And that would make him a God who is is, uh, frivolous or or, um, doing things in trickery or deceit. We don't serve that kind of God. Your God is not like that. So he will not disappoint you, but you got to obey him. You you just can't do what you want to do and get the benefits of God. You have to live an obedient life to God. When Israel exalted God, they always won. Always. When they did what God told them to do, they won. Moses, Joshua, and David all followed this pattern. They set a pattern for victory. The pattern is let God be exalted and enthroned on your praise and on your worship. Then listen for his strategy and his instruction. Never diminish God by exalting the problem. And you'll tell. Sometimes you can tell when, uh, like, I've I've had people uh, come to the altar and you know for prayer, and I'll say, well, well, what can I pray for you for? And and if they go on too long about how bad it is and how much they suffer, you can feel the anointing going. And, you know, that's when you tell them, okay, I got it. Let's just believe God now and, you know, that kind of thing. And you'll find the anointing go up again. So it, God responds to our words. He responds to the spirit behind our words. To, to exalt the devil and talk consistently about how bad it is and what he is doing means you're taking God off the throne and you're putting the devil up there. Why you mean to tell me I can't ever say anything? If you can help it, don't. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, seriously. Um, uh, Say as little as possible about how bad things are. You know, sometimes you'll hear people. They'll start to, they want to impress you with how much they suffer. Well, Jesus bore that. What are you suffering for? You know, he took that already in your place. And so he wants you to come to him believing that he will take that away from you. You're not getting any points from God by suffering. You know, I mean, especially the things that are, 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 are already done for you. It's easy things like your salvation and your healing and your deliverance. All those things that the price has already been paid for that. And so you're not, you're not really now. Now there is a place where suffering is appropriate for the Christian. You know, if if it hurts you not to cuss somebody out and they slap you in the face, that's suffering. Do that. You understand what I'm saying? Because, you know, what what you're doing is, is obeying what God has instructed us to do and not return evil for evil or something like that. Sometimes you, you may have to endure some things until your answer comes. But that's different totally than suffering physically in your body when Jesus has taken that pain away from you already. Amen. And not seeking him for a remedy and for your relief. So always seek God for your remedy and for your relief. I have a, a friend I'm, we're praying for, and uh, in, in sometimes that person will sound encouraged, and, uh, you know, in, in their, their little messages they send are very uplifting. Next thing, they're complaining about everything. And so you can imagine being trying to get a healing in an atmosphere that's going back and forth all the time. So God, once we enthrone him, he likes to stay in charge because he's God. So keep your, your confession such that edifies God. 
Keep your confession such that keeps God on the scene and allows him to rule and reign. He will not take a second place. He will not take a back seat. If he's going to be there, he's going to be there in full force and full power. He's not sitting there waiting for his turn to do nothing. You got me? He'll just leave. You got me? And take the party with him, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And so we have to really, really understand what keeps God's presence around. You want to keep his presence around because it that encourages you in your victory. It encourages you to think victorious. It encourages you to expect victory. It just is an encouraging atmosphere to be in where the presence of God is, is very, very close to us. So there is a pattern for victory, of exalting the Lord, listening for his word, obeying what he says, and exalting him. We do that when we, when we come together, when we have these meetings here. We are here to get instruction from God. You know, other than that, we would just print a, a program. And do them A and B. I don't even know what them things are. The A and B selections on the, you know, the program, the religious program they print out. It's already printed. So God, you you know what you're supposed to do. Get up and do it. You understand what I'm saying? That's what we're saying to God when we have a program that's already pre-printed. So much time for this. So much time for that. So much time for this. And so much. You don't know what God might want to do. Huh? I know I don't. I'm coming here expecting. You understand? And I'm expecting God to show up. I'm expecting He for him to, to teach us and help us and give us understanding. But I'm also expecting strategies for how to be successful in warfare. And part of prophecy, amen, part of the reason we bug uh, Bishop Russell to do the praise and worship for us is so that we can get a fresh word from God every time we get together. You understand? Uh, you want to hear what God has to say. You want to get an interpretation. It's like today it was interpretation of national events. Things that, that pertain to our nation. We're praying for our nation. We should be concerned about what happens here. Amen. So you pray and you expect God to intervene no matter who wins an election anywhere. You want God to intervene and to meet your needs, to meet the needs of other people. You want the gospel to remain free. You want freedom to reign so that we're not oppressed by the enemy. You want oppression to leave. And so when you you hear God saying he's going to start to raise people up that nobody ever thought. What that tells you, that gives me a hint right there. Don't mind no more than books and them millionaire preachers. No, you understand what I'm, I mean? That's what it says to me. That's part of what it says to me. Save your money. Because the day is coming when you can invest in where God is doing right now. Amen. If revival breaks out in the homeless shelter, you need to be beating the door down to get down there. I bet they go to get you to go down there and pray for somebody then. Huh? All the places we used to be scared of going, guess what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time, right? So shake off your fear. Shake off your preconceived everything. And quit trying to imitate all these people you see on television all the time. Go and get in your little prayer closet yourself and get something fresh from God for you. Because he has something to say to you. 
I have nothing against television preachers, trust me. But too many of them are boring. There's nothing fresh on what they preach. And I know they have to keep the saints together. And you got to keep God's flock encouraged and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, it ain't enough. I'm just being honest with you. What I see is not enough. Because you see all of the people who are are unsaved and uh, nobody's making an impact there. You know, very little headway is being. We need to be honest and face that. God, when are we going to start winning over some of these people before the, the same sex people get a hold of them and get them indoctrinated? When can we win some of those people over to your gospel? And so this is, it's true. You know, we, we can't just keep pinning up God's people to look where it's safe. You know, uh, my sheep don't have fleas, so it's safe to come in my congregation. You understand what I'm saying? We got to stop that nonsense. It happens all the time with the church. Get sanitized and, and in a rut and don't know how to reach out to people for real. And equipping the saints, that's definitely not done. So it's just, you know, let's stop playing around here. I'm looking for the real. I'm digging, 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 digging deeper in God trying to find the real. We want real water. We don't want this warmed over stuff. So God uh, God is enthroned on our praise. We said that Psalm 22.3. He's enthroned on our praise. His address is P-R-A. That's where I read that before. My notes. P-R-A-I-S-E. That's his address. And you'll find him at home all of the time. He's always there. He's always there for us. Whenever you praise him, he comes on the scene. Well, I don't feel nothing. He's there. He's just messing with you a little bit. You just need to praise him a little bit. Like, you know, you praise him for two two praises and then you want him to show up real big and blow the house down. Well, it don't happen like that. Huh? <laughs> and then sometimes he just sovereignly invites himself in. You got me? I've had that happen to me from time to time. You know, I'll be sitting up watching something stupid on television and God will start showing me stuff in the program. I say, oh, Lord, where'd you come from? Huh? I've been here all the time. Amen. I like watching TV with God. Wouldn't watch it any other way but with him. Amen? <laughs> so we have to go up to him. Praise means that we are going up to him. You don't want him to try and drag down God down on your level. You've got to prepare yourself. There is a proper way to approach God, and praise is that way. When we pray and worship from the throne where there is victory, then we can receive instructions from God. So when, when we go up to where God is, we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You don't go up in the flesh and you don't assume you're there or anything like that. You, you enter there the proper way. You invite God in and, and he invites you in. You invite him in, he invites you in. And so when you get that peace that the presence of God is there and abiding with you, uh, then you're seated with him. And it is that is your position of victory. And it's from there that God can give you instruction, give you strategy, begin to teach you and tell you how to receive your victory from him. 
when I started this ministry, the Lord gave us strategy for praying for different areas of, of need, and we prayed that way for 30 years. We put it in a, a manual, a prayer manual. We sold, sold tons of them over the years to people, and they always get the results. Why? Because we pray the Word of God. It's not just some, you know, I know a lot of people feel like you you got to see things and get a vision of this and that. I, I don't play around like that. I stick with the Word of God. Because, you know, your visions are not as reliable. This is the sure word of prophecy. Amen. So this is your sure word. I think sometimes God can use visions, but they they really just confirm or more or less give you a second witness for what you speak or what you say or, or something like that in prayer. Your best confirmation is when that prayer comes to pass, though tell you that much so i don't get excited about you know oh, i was in the spirit and i saw so-and-so sitting on the city of detroit did you see jesus up there because i can tell you what we put him up there when we praised him and we prayed the other day and i'm sure you saw jesus up there because he is lord of, of detroit you got me you just you know i'm all for taking down the strong man but we got to make sure we have valid instructions you know what i'm saying it's got to be real it's got to work so and, and once you're enthroned with god you can trust him to direct and guide your prayer and so that's why many times when we pray in pairs we one person prays in tongues or prays in the spirit so that the strength of God can always be there in your prayer. Praying in the spirit is like a, 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 a I call it the, the um, navigator. It navigates you through the realm of the spirit. Because in English, you wouldn't know what to say and what to pray anyway, just in English. And so you're, you're, the praying in the Holy Ghost is the perfect way to pray. And so you can navigate your way. Uh, into the realm of the spirit and take down these things that are opposing us i remember when we first started the ministry uh there were some some uh, people that uh, a lady that would come to our meeting sometimes and her children she had married a man recently and she had sons that were teenagers they weren't his children but she was trying to put her family together and they they wanted to serve god and they were new Christians, but her sons were continual runaways. And so we we petitioned the Lord, and I said, well, God, you got to tell us how to get this lady's kids back. Now, now, many people don't think that God just gives you answers like that, but I do. I don't know who else to ask. You understand what I'm saying? And he said for us to form a threefold cord. He said, get three people to pray. He said, the prayer, the partners won't quite cut it. Now, you don't have to agree with that if you don't want to. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm talking about trying to get something that works. Because we've been praying in pairs already, and them kids ain't back home yet. So he said, you fold a threefold uh, threefold cord because the Bible says what? It's not. Oh, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Can that be broken? I don't know, but I know what he told me about the threefold cord. And you can validate it through Scripture. And that's the other part. If God gives you a strategy, you must find it in the word, folks. It can't be some of this gooey made up stuff that, you know, saints like to get into sometimes. You just have to get what you get from the word. And sure enough, they would come back every single time. And then they'd leave. And then they'd come back. And then they'd leave. And so we began to ask God, well, God, they come home, but they don't stay. 
And the Lord began to show us that these spirits were assigned to them. And so he began to tell us what spirits to tell to let go of them. Huh? Now everybody's on the edge of their seats. See, I like this. <laughs> it's better if you use it. You know, if you get strategies, use them. Don't just like information. But God showed us that it was kidnapping spirits that took children away from home. They didn't just go voluntarily. Amen. So he told us, he said, if you bind that kidnapping spirit, he said, then it has no authority to take those children away from here. We found also that there are some times where uh, children would, would go to certain cities that were safe where for runaways. So, you know, I, all I'm telling you is when you study stuff, folks, study it. Just get, get a good understanding. Don't just get the name of a devil and go tell everybody what the devil is called. But you stay with that until you understand how to stay in God's strategy and get victory. And so we would forbid those kidnapping spirits to take them to X city that they wanted to be headed to. Because sometimes you get in a city and there's, there's no real authority there for people to get apprehended by God. And they get lost in the shuffle with all of the other. Think of all the large cities that have so many runaways that come there. And they just go around the city and live there for years undetected. Because there's a, a spiritual force that is conducive to keeping them hidden so nobody can see them and find out where they are. There's lots of people, missing people all over the world who have not been heard of. And sometimes loved ones will feel, that I just feel like my child is still alive. I wouldn't take that as, as you know, lightly. You know, if, if a mother is taking care of her kid all those years, you know kind of when something's wrong with that child. If you just listen a little bit, amen, don't go into denial. But if your heart is really for that, that little girl in uh, uh, California, uh, uh, J.C. Dugard was her name. That man had her in his backyard out in a shed for over 15 years. The mother said that, Whenever she said, I would just pray for her. And she said, some nights I would just, before I go to bed, J.C., where are you? Just tell me where you are. She still had hope that her daughter was alive. She knew she was alive somewhere. And so we, we, you can't ignore those things. But there are places where people can go and never be heard of again, and they're living in plain sight, you see, because the, the enemy has helped them to get where they got they just don't you don't just get up and go do nothing you get help from one kingdom of the other and so god's kingdom wants to break that up and bust that up and bring children back to their rightful homes you don't have to fear that you know you just go into the realm of prayer and get an understanding from god and a strategy for how to get victory you don't want to just get close you want that kid home again amen and so we, we have to think that way. We have to understand that. You know, I, I know sometimes the enemy make us suspicious because I would think to myself, I said, well, God, well, maybe their home isn't what is he says. He said, that's not your business. Your business is to get them back home. It's my business to take care of what that home is like when they get there. You understand me? So you just back away. 
Amen. Take care of what's your bit. You take care of what belongs to you first and let God handle the rest of it. Amen. You know, I don't care how bad the home is. If God says bring them back, you bring them back. He'll take care of it once they get there. Amen. It's not for us to judge those things. So praise God. So whatever we need uh, to obey, God will give us a strategy. And this is a strategy for us to carry through and for a strategy for us to obey so that we can receive our victory. You can receive whatever it is that the enemy has stolen from you, trying to steal. Maybe you gave it away. Maybe you in ignorance. I don't care what it is. If your heart longs for it and God's put it on your heart to have these things, then you pray. But you do need a strategy. So uh, why don't we go to Joshua chapter 3, and I'll show you. I'm not going to go in a lot of detail about it, but a simple strategy. And this is how God operates, folks. This, this is not a guessing game. This is not something where you've got to go and ask 15 different intercessors and all that kind of stuff how they did things or whatever if god needs to give you help he'll bring you to the right help now i'm not against help at all but i think it should be help directed by god you know and people that that um, that really know god and, and can get things done go go ask the the intercessor or the person that or the prophet that makes you scared and usually you can get you can get your right answer. That's what I always say. Go to the one that make you nervous. They probably know God real good. But anyway, it's a prophet joke. But anyway, I'm just going to read on here. Joshua 3. Now, we know that up until this time, uh, Joshua had not had any kind of victory. So he's now in charge of the nation of Israel. Moses has passed away. God begins to promise Joshua that just like he was with Moses, he'll be with him. And that's so reassuring. When God calls you to ministry, he doesn't like Brother Copeland or Joel Osteen any more than he likes you. Uh, If he called you, he'll be with you just like he is with all his other servants. You know, you need his power to do the job. And so when God begins to tell them that Jericho will be the first Uh, first city that they take joshua then sends out in chapter two he sends out some spies to spy out uh, the land of, of jericho and so they decide to reward somebody who helped them uh rahab they decided to reward her uh with a salvation of her whole household so God never looks at one, he never picks one person out of a house to save and let everybody else go to hell. If he saved you, he's come for your whole household, amen? You just happen to be the first one to hear him. And so it's up to you to hold on to faith for everybody else in that, that place, in that situation, amen? So they give Rahab instructions of how to make sure that her salvation of her household is secure. They tell her to tie a scarlet ribbon representing the blood of Jesus, that the enemy cannot cross that bloodline. He said, because we're going to come back and we're going to destroy this whole city, loot everything, probably kill up everybody, but we won't harm your household if we see this. This is the one thing consistent about God. You've got to show him your faith. Rahab, don't get up stupid on that day and forget to put that thing up in your window. You got me? Huh? 
Now she used to putting things in her window. Well, that's what hoes do. And then they put the open for business sign up there. So Rahab, you ain't working that day. Hello? Take that whatever else you put up there. Don't put that in the window that day, but put this scarlet thread up there that day. Got me? This is your day off. So anyhow. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Anyhow, she probably glad too. You understand what I'm saying? She's glad to retire and live. (laughs) Joshua 3. This is verse 1. Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Don't come near to it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. This is a strategy for people who stand for God, warriors for God, whatever, whatever. Always proceed. If, if you know anything about serving God and you know anything about how God moves in, in people's lives, God will give you enough faith to take one step and not have you go lunging and charging over into. That's what frustrates people about God sometimes. I've been praying all this time and don't seem like I've gotten it. You're making progress. If you're believing God, you're making progress. It's just that you have not passed this way before. I don't care how old you are in the Lord, how long you've been in the church, how long you've been saved. This is a new thing. Every battle is a new battle. Every battle is a new strategy. Every prayer is a new positioning in God. You have to treat it uh, like a holy thing and a sacred thing and cautiously move forward at God's leading. Don't get ahead of God. That's what he's telling them. He's saying there's a space between you and the leadership. There's a space between you and the priest. There's a distance between you and allow their anointing to go and pave the way for you. And then you can follow safely at the pace God has called you to move. People don't understand this. People, I see people, all these prophets and apostles and, you know, everywhere now. They're coming out of the woodworks. Why? Because they're so anxious to move into something they feel God has, has called them to or promised them. And so they're getting ahead of where they're being led. When you, when you are serving God, you're being led by leadership somewhere. You're not just out. I don't care if you have your own prayer ministry or what. God is leading you somewhere, often through another human being. Or if you're the head of this, he is, is showing you and giving you revelation. And you have to respect that distance between you and the Lord. You understand me? You just can't jump ahead and get somewhere overnight. Everybody wants to blow up. 
huh? Yeah, I've been, I paid my dues to God. It's time for me to blow up. You may not blow up. You understand? You might blow something up, blow yourself up. You got me? But that's never God's way. Got me? It's never God's way. He told the nation of Israel, you are learning how to wage war. Be respectful of, of my ways. Be respectful of leadership. Be respectful of the people. And find somebody who's going the direction God tells you you're supposed to go. You know, people kill me. They want to be under this person and under that person. They, then they got four or five people there under at one time. You understand what I'm saying? How are you going to know where you're going or what you're supposed to do? You don't really trust God because you're trying to hedge your bets. If, if brother so-and-so don't know something, then you got brother so-and-so in your pocket. You understand what I'm saying? Let's get real here. If you value your life and value what God has called you to do, you, you know how to stay put when he calls you somewhere. The biggest trick of the devil is to scatter people through offense. Huh? You go somewhere, and because somebody says something to you that rubs you the wrong way, huh? you're ready to jump ship and go someplace else. Well, you'll never grow. You understand what I'm saying? You'll never, uh, you know, you don't see, your, your tomatoes, when you plant them, they stay in the pot. Why? Because they're just looking for water. You ever notice roots will grow wherever water is? If the water is down in the bottom, they go straight down. If it's over to the side, they go out that way. They get, roots tend to look for water, what feeds and waters them and washes them. They're not looking for somebody who's going to talk to the plants and, how you doing today, little? Th-? Give me some water. Save the conversation. Just give me some water. You understand what I'm saying? And so some people never stay long enough to get watered. They're looking, they go to church for like a social club. That's, you know, where the men at, where the women at? You know, they, they're there for the hookup, the Holy Ghost hookup, I guess. I don't know what they think. But when, I, when God would send me places, I stayed. He didn't have to send me to four or five different places before I knew I was supposed to be there. It's very simple. You can pray and just go ahead and, and go there and submit. But go where you're getting fed. Go where your spirit is watered. Don't go where you, you know, you had enough of that social stuff. Go join a sorority or something if that's what you want. But when you want God, you're going to have to endure hardness like a good soldier. Amen? You might run into some people that, that you don't take to. Well, they don't take to you either, so I consider it okay. Amen? Let's just be real here, folks. But but your spirit is crying out for the things of God. And so you want to make sure that your spirit is, is fed. And so Joshua gives them, he tells all the leaders to go through the camp and give instruction. Now you will notice that in this instance, nobody murmured, nobody complained, nobody said anything wrong. Why? Because part of Israel's training was to rehearse the history of their people in the ears of the new generation. That's a common thing now with people. But we need to learn how to rehearse the important things in the ears of the children. And so all the children that were growing up in Israel in this generation knew you don't complain, you don't murmur. Remember your uncle uh, so-and-so that dropped dead and the earth opened up and swallowed him up? Well, you don't want to be like him. 
you want to live for God. And so these people were a lot easier now for Joshua to manage because they were obedient people. So the first generation was all over the place, disobedience. The second generation is more obedient, and they're willing to do what Joshua tells them to do. So these are their instructions. God goes through there. He tells them, you're going to cross over, and don't be afraid and upset. Let the priests go first. Let the ones who are anointed to break through the water go ahead of you. Amen. Some people are anointed to break through on certain things, but you can always follow. The nice thing about that is that you partake of that anointing yourself as you follow them. So there's an overflow of power of God that comes as you obey that power. So God will will put the power on you to follow, and then one day you'll wind up that it awakens in you that you're called to lead, if that's what God's called you to do. And so these anointings are very important. It's very important that that they follow God's instructions to a T. And he says, you got to know the way because you've not passed this way before. Let the people that I've anointed to, to as forerunners to blaze through, to bust through. That's usually apostles and prophets have an anointing to see something where nothing is and to break through to get it. And so your job is to just stay in faith and don't give up until you get there and you can see it for yourself. There are people that are anointed to see long before others are able to see it. And then they will impart to you that vision that they have. So Joshua said to the people, verse 5, sanctify yourselves tomorrow. The Lord will do signs and wonders among you. So we don't want to tell people, give false information. But this is just what God had told Joshua. So Joshua repeats it to the people. So they can know to expect God to show up and do what he says that he's going to do. This is where prophecy comes in. Because all Joshua is doing is prophesying over those people, getting them to expect what God is going to do. Same thing we do with prophecy, with, with through the prophecies we give, expect God to do what he's going to do. When he said to prophesy to the wind, if you were smart enough to do that instead of moaning and whining and complaining and everything else that you did, you find that God was there and he answered prayer and did signs and wonders for you. And that's the, that's the purpose of prophecy as you go into warfare. It assures you of the outcome that God wants you to have. It, it's non-fail. See, these things can be going on around us, but if we just get excited about it when we're in the meeting and don't take it home with us, you miss the whole purpose of why the word of the Lord was given to you. So you have to speak to that into that anointing that God has placed around you. God says, I'm sending a wind around you. That if you will speak my word into that wind, then that thing will happen for you without fail. Same thing Joshua tells his people, that God is going to work signs and wonders among them. And he says, verse 6, he said, take up the ark uh, uh, unto the priest. He spoke to the priest and said, pick up the ark. Of the covenant pass over before the people. In other words, your big boys, your ministers, go risk your life. Go do something. Go almost drown so these people can see God's real. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. Get out of your comfort zone. 
the priests walk through first. The Bible says the minute the soles of their feet hit the water, the water parted. This wasn't the, the you know, beginning thing. This is why you have to get your own strategy from God. You've got to get your own understanding of what to do from God. In Moses' day, Moses, God parted the Red Sea, and the water stood upright in a heap all night long before they crossed over. This is what you do with scared people and people who have a lot of fear and unbelief. You let them get comfortable. By the time that those Red Sea was parted, everybody there was comfortable. Well, it looks like I can probably make it through before the waters come in again. Natural sight. We are people who walk by faith and not natural sight. So Joshua's people are not going to get the same kind of treatment that that first generation got. They're not going to be babied into obeying God. They're going to have to use their faith now as warriors to step into it. But they do get a little bit of parting because there's a space between them and the priest just in case. You see the mercy of God? That space between there was God's mercy telling them, you're not going to have to put your lives in jeopardy. I'm not going to kill any. Nobody's going to drown crossing this river. And so when he says, he said to, to, to Joshua, verse 7, he said, This day I will begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. In other words, you ain't no counterfeit. You got me? I, I ministered in on my Facebook post about apostles, the signs of the apostles, signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Didn't get a lot of people liking it, but you got to say what God tells you to say. That's just the truth. So if you put your title away until you pay the price for the real anointing to show up so that you won't be out there another one just talking about what God called you to do, you'll be really doing it. No, we don't want people that don't do it. I hate that. It just to me it's an embarrassment to God. It's it's taking his people lightly, it's taking God lightly, it's playing games with God. I just don't like that kind of nonsense. You know, put your title in your pocket. Until a, a miracle shows up. You know what I'm saying? Then we'll all know. You'll need a title then. They'll follow you like everything. So he says, the Lord said to Joshua, I'll begin to magnify you. Verse 8, and you shall command the priests that bear the ark. Command the priests that bear the ark. Command the priests that bear the ark. True leaders don't beg nobody to come to their church. You just go ahead and do what God tells you to do. Uh, if somebody's called to follow you, they'll follow you. If they don't, it won't. It says, you shall command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, when you are come to the brink of the water, Jordan, you shall stand still in the midst of that water. Somebody's got to test the waters to make sure you have control over them. When you're a leader in God's army, you have to have control over certain things. You have to get, get, get the authority, the keys of authority in your hands so that your work will be accomplished. You can't just be sitting up and say, we ought to, we should or we do. You know, you, you've got to have that authority. You've got to know the command there. 
And he says, stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord. He wants everybody to hear God for themselves. No more telling tales and no more, uh, you know, not paying attention to God. Come here and, and stand still and listen to what God's called you to say, to do. And he says, uh, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, hereby you shall know that the living God is among you. And that he will without fail drive out all enemies from your face. In other words, the devil don't tell you that he's, you know, your kid is, is not capable. Your kid can't do this. Your kid, he, he don't tell you that stuff. Amen. You're going to know that God is with you. You're going to drive out all those enemies that are trying to destroy you, destroy your family, destroy your household. He'll drive them all from in front of your face. He says, look, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. You got the right one now, baby. I want the God of the whole earth. Not part of something and not a semi-God. I want the whole thing. He's the God of the whole earth. So nothing's too hard for him. And so this is his working plan. God gives you a working plan. When When he's enthroned on your praises and you talk to God, he'll give you a working plan for what he's going to do. For us, our working plan is to once monthly come together and pray for this city. This, this, pray, this meeting is devoted 100% to praying for Detroit and praying on a regular basis. This isn't an annual get together and call all these people that don't know how to pray, don't know God. That's the fearful and the faint-hearted. Make them go home. You know, you you put the word out there and you want God to draw people. But listen, if they don't want to draw, they don't bother me none. I'll just pray, you know, with whoever's here by myself. And so Joshua has this working plan. He has a working plan. He says, the Lord of all the earth will pass over before you into the Jordan. And therefore take 12 men out of every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan. The waters will be cut off from above and below. So he has already, Joshua has already seen frame by frame what's going to happen. God gave him that vision, see. And the, the only thing next to do is get up and obey it. You don't need 15 fleeces and 15 confirmations. You have an unction right now to obey you. The, the, the Lord of hosts had already appeared to Joshua and told him that he was with him. He said, who are you for us, our enemies? He said, uh, neither one, you with me. You understand? If you side up with, I'm in charge here, Joshua. So I have come to lead you over into your victory. And you want that. You don't want it to be like you got to do this and you got to do that. But but he is with you at all all, all times. Amen. Over in Joshua chapter 6, you see it fulfilled and come to pass. Verse 1, Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. Nobody went in, nobody went out. Um, 
the reason that people are trying to enact laws to force Christians to do stuff is because of this, that they're scared. You should never fear anybody who challenges you because of your stand on God. They're scared of you. That's why they're kicking up, making noise, fighting. This is a good time to be a Christian, especially a Christian who's empowered by God. This is an excellent time for that. Why? Because the devil's exposed. He's on the run. You know who the enemy is because he's not working in a subtle fashion anymore. You understand what I'm saying? People, uh, you know, when people start outing themselves as though you didn't know already, you, you know, understand what I'm saying? Uh, to me, that's a sign of deep conviction. People are confessing their sins openly. And so uh, when God releases that anointing for repentance, you know, true renoint where they can be converted and come into the house of God, that's their next step. So I'm not afraid of, of somebody trying to force me to marry uh, two people of the same sex. I'm not afraid of that. You know, I'm not afraid of, of anything that the because I know when the enemy starts to confess who he is out loud, his days are numbered already. They're not winning, they're losing. Amen. They're not winning, they're losing. And so they're shut up and scared because of the power of God. There's too many. You know, you realize all the people that pray in tongues in this country right now? You don't think that has an impact on what the devil thinks and what he believes that he knows his, he's doomed and his day is soon to come to fall? Are you kidding me? I used to pray for people to be baptized in the spirit when we first, and I would see them come and go, come and go, come and go. And I said, well, Lord, they keep going back to them dead churches. He said, oh, he said, don't worry about that. He said, I have a draft system that they won't be able to resist. He said, you just, you just keep ministering to people. You just keep doing what you do. He said, let me take care of my army. I know what to do. Amen. Absolutely. Like Jesus said, I have a lot of people in the city. Don't ever count me down and don't ever count me out. Hmm? So God gives Joshua, okay, they've gotten as far as the wall of Jericho. So God gives Joshua more instructions. He is not going to give you the whole enchilada. Now, he'll tell you what you'll get at the end. But the strategy has to be taken step by step by step. Amen. Step by step by step. And so as as he begins to deal with Joshua, Joshua begins to see, I'm going to have to work with God step by step by step. And he he begins to accept that. The one time Joshua presumed he got a lot of soldiers killed. You see, with the AI, he didn't realize he should have gone to God and asked God, shall we go up? What did David say when he was all mad at, at, at the Philistines because they had stolen everything and burned Ziklag? He said, God, shall I go up? It doesn't cost us anything to humble ourselves to God and wait for his permission to do something, wait for a strategy, wait for uh, uh, an anointing at least. You know, sometimes you're anointed and you can't do everything you want to do. You got me? And so when God decided that, that they should go up and take that city, he gave them strict instructions. Remember the days we used to do the Jericho march? Well, I've done it, and it works. It definitely works. <laughs> I'll do it now. It still works. You understand me? That's how we got 
people saved in the church we were in when this ministry first started. God told me to walk around that church, and I went every night for six nights. And then on the seventh night, I went and walked around seven times. Amen. But God honored it. And the next thing we knew, the religious spirits had left the church. Remember that time we had them cry? He heard them crawling on the ceiling in there. That's a whole nother story. I was just, you know, a bunch of stories. But anyway, you know, you dislodge spirits. You have authority over them. But you can't do much work for God with them devils fighting you for, you know, if you have authority, you have authority. You don't just share your atmosphere uh, with the enemy. God's not enthroned. It's like. It's like you asking your mother to come over and spend the night and you got your boyfriend staying there. You don't invite God on top of devils. You got me? Well, half of y'all got it. I don't know what's wrong with the rest of y'all, but God told me to say it. I hope. But you understand what I'm <laughs> You got to roll out the red carpet for God. Y'all know what a red carpet is, don't you? You're always watching these drug addict entertainers and people like that on the red carpet. Well, we roll one out for God. And that is clean all the devils out before he comes in and does his thing. He won't do much if the devil's there. And so you have to make sure that you prepare that atmosphere for the Lord because he wants to come in and do wonders and miracles in the midst of us. And and that's just true. You know, God will do wonders and he will do miracles in our midst. But we have to follow his strategy and know what he wants to do and follow through on our part. Amen. We're going to stop. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come before your throne. We love it, Father, when you give us the things that we need so we can be victorious. Never back down is what the Lord's telling me to tell you. Never back down. You can stand still, but don't sit down. But definitely don't back down and don't back up. Don't ever quit. Going forward in me, says the Lord. Don't ever quit going forward in me. Because I am a God of progress. I'm a God of prosperity. And I am an overcoming God. And I mean to do everything I said I'm going to do for the city of Detroit. For the surrounding cities. Those who who, uh, labor are going to be partakers of the first fruits. So whatever city you live in, you will be a partaker of what's going to go on in this city as well, says the Lord. And never fear the sacrifice that you make is seen, it's recorded, and it will be rewarded in due season, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen? Amen. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. And we'll get lunch together. And-